Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest video and podcast from Fancy Football Scout as we once again meet a manager predicting Pep is turning into an art form and this is particularly important in game week 20 when Manchester City have a double game week as they face Manchester United and Spurs. Um, these meet the manager videos are designed to watch anytime you want so just pretend there's any double game week. It's all important for Man City but it happens to be Manchester United and Spurs this time around. Joining me to find out more about predict, uh, predicting Pep is Alex Michelle, aka Man City lineup predictor at 4lex underscore MCFC on Twitter. Alex, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Joe. How are you doing? Yeah, well, um, thanks. Um, and uh, I'm glad I, I got that Twitter handle out of the way. Um, it's better <laughs> yeah. if people just look at it. <laughs> They're not really designed yeah, to. You're not designed to say these things, um, but yeah, it, it actually makes much more sense um, when you can see it there. Um, the four is the A of Alex. Um, so, um, yeah, before we look at Man City and Game Week 20 and even about the work you do on Twitter in particular um, to try and help us FPL managers predict a pep, uh, be good to find out a bit about you, about how you started playing FPL um, and in the meantime, as we talk, I'll put a picture up of one of your recent tweets. Uh, this is for game week 19, um, looking ahead at uh, Man City's starting odds for the players. So, yeah, how, how did you start getting involved with FPL then? Yeah, so uh, I've grown up on the east coast of the US all my life. And uh, growing up, I played football, basketball and baseball. Those were my three sports. And so football is always sort of very close and near and dear to me but I didn't necessarily follow it until I was about you know 11 or 12 years old mm -hmm. uh, and then throughout high school here before before uni with some friends we started playing the FPL draft league and we did that for about three seasons and I think in the second and third season of doing the draft league I was curious and found out mm -hmm. about actual FPL pretty much and okay. the budget version of the game uh, and so I made a team there, but barely knew what I was doing. Um, and then once I sort of got uh, a bit more involved on Twitter, just consuming content that way, uh, I sort of persuaded my friends to do a budget league instead of a draft league. And yeah. that's when things really kicked off. And then for about, uh, about two seasons, I uh, played it sort of fairly hardcore, but I would sort of always fall apart in the yeah. middle and stuff. Um, very much a learning process. And then it's really been the last two seasons where I've sort of ramped up my engagement with things, ramped up my involvement on Twitter and 
that's where I am at the moment. Yeah. Right. So you're you're US based. You're based in uh, Maryland, is it? Maryland. Yeah. Yep, Maryland. And um, so um, it's unusual. I it, how unusual is it for you know a young bloke in Maryland to be into FPL? <laughs> in terms of generally following football and following the Prem, not unusual at all. I have oh, okay. So many friends who follow it, mm-hmm. but in terms of playing FPL, it's a very much more niche group. I have a core of about five or six friends, I would say, who mm-hmm. range between fairly engaged to just as hardcore as I am. Um, and so it is pretty unique. And every year we'll persuade, you know, a group of 15 to 20 other friends who know a bit about football, watch it occasionally to join our mini league and whatnot. But it really is a group of about five or six of us of my close friends who, who really play FPL. So fairly, pretty unique. Yeah. I, I always like that. Cause when, when you speak to people on the, on the meet the manager show from a, around the world and um, also they might be got into FPL at different times, um, perhaps when it was smaller as well. I mm-hmm. just always find it interesting because I mean, obviously here in the, in the UK, st- I still, it is still feels niche. If I go into a, yeah. a, a, a pub or bar and, and it, it, it very rarely, once in two years, someone will either recognize me or will talk to me <laughs> about FPL. Um, yeah. And it's very rare. It's it's still quite it's we're still quite niche, but there's still 11 million people that play it. So um, obviously <laughs> exactly. growing. But yeah, just I just found that um, interesting. Um, so your your track record um, so far, I mean, it's not it's not great. But it's getting better. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, so for the past three seasons, you've hovered uh, between the uh, 200 and 400 K mark. Um, you've had a reasonable start this season, though, I would say. Um, you're currently, currently just under the 1 million mark, but you've been in the top 70 K. So you're just sort of going up and down around there, which is a good point to be because a lot of managers mm-hmm. were like 4 million, 5 million, etc. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what? What is the, what are the reasons for that? I've, I've got in my notes here that it's, you mostly have bad starts but i would say you've had quite a good start this season in 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 relative terms yeah this season has been very different for me i mean the past three seasons that i've played uh i uh didn't really get off to the best start in any of them i always ended up wild carding around game week three four or five pretty much mm-hmm. uh and so that definitely played a part as i would use that wild card way too early because of some rash decisions not really following the template with the initial wild card and then that sort of set me back a bit. And then it's really normally in this part of the season, this middle part of the season where the double game weeks start to come that I would shoot up the ranks, get up to about 150 K most seasons around that area. And then slowly tail off towards the end of the season. And then sprinkled in there are some rash decisions where, you know, just real life gets in the way for a week. I sort of get a bit, uh, just just not really involved with FPL, not really feeling it. Maybe sometimes want to have a bit of fun with the game. Like I remember last season I tried to be a bit too clever and City were playing Burnley in game week eight or nine, mm. I think, and Pope was out uh, as well as having an injury or two to their back line. So they had backup Peacock Farrell in goal mm. and Mares was pretty much nailed on for a start that game. And with how triple captains had gone the two seasons before of like we wait for double game weeks and no one really does anything even then. I was like, let me take this opportunity and, you know, try put the triple captain on a nailed Mares against Burnley with mm-hmm. the backup. And we beat them 7-0, I think, and Mares didn't get a single return. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, that's the season where everyone ends up going and triple captaining Salah and De Bruyne mm-hmm. for 24 and 30 points, respectively. 
Well, I wonder, I mean, with this time around, with Manchester City playing twice, wonder, and Mara's in good form, um, <laughs> I wonder whether that you'll be tempted to go yeah, or others. I don't think so. <laughs> um, so um, you've uh, recently um, graduated from university, um, yeah. but um, are, you, are you looking to do more FPL content? I put some of your content up on the screen. We'll talk about that in a minute, but are you looking to sort of ramp that up at all? Uh, yeah, in a way. Um, throughout the, so pretty much, uh, I started doing FPL content last summer when I was sort of bored one day when the Euros were on, the game had come out, I was tinkering with a wild card. And I wrote this like 3,000 word article essay pretty much, uh, just sort of breaking down my thoughts about different price structures. And I sent it on on Twitter and Surya from All About FPL messaged me back within a few hours pretty much saying that he loved the piece. And that's why I started writing for All About FPL, which is okay. absolutely amazing site. And um, I started writing for them and then obviously I had my final year of uni mm-hmm. and didn't really have the time to devote to it. And so with this season, it's really been the first time where I've sort of gone hardcore into mm-hmm. creating content and whatnot. Okay. And so for me, it's difficult because I'm looking for a job within the, the football design world, trying to okay. write, do photography and design for a club or mm-hmm. organization in the long term. Um, but I also love FPL and mm-hmm. love creating content. So I'm sort of stuck in this middle ground where you know, I have the city predictions and threads and other stuff that I do that I can keep up consistently, even if I have a job. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also the potential to expand things. So I'm sort of in a, a middle ground right right now where things are a bit unclear as to okay. where things are going. And um, you also you're part of uh, Emma, who is a jump the wave on on mm-hmm. um, on Twitter. She um, she's been on the show Meet the Manager. She sort of um, collected a lot of views from people like yourselves around team sheets but particularly with man city you know trying mm-hmm. to guess these lineups looking at um and and now it's expanded to a whole range of clubs and a whole range of people and you're you're part of that sort of network as well you're the you're one of the the, the man city guys for her yeah i started predicting in gaming three of this year mm-hmm. i reached out to her after uh, i didn't know about it until the season and so i reached out to her around gaming three asked if i could start predicting she added me in and then just recently actually around the restart she'll always put out the sort of commentary for each of the clubs and quicksilva who's on twitter who's an amazing guy um did the commentary in the first half of the season but he had some other responsibilities taking over so he passed over that to me and so now i'm doing the commentary for that as well okay um so um should we talk i mean is there anything else want to say around sort of your you know the what it's like being on twitter doing this type of thing but otherwise we'll in a set we'll get on to how you predict Pep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think just one sort of general note is that, you know, I'm I'm 23 years old at the moment, turning 24 soon. And, you know, I've only been doing Twitter consistently, doing content. I've been involved for a few years, but really only doing content for about the last year or so. And so I, I'm getting up there towards 10,000 followers at almost 8,500 right now. And the rise has been like... Mm pretty spectacular um well, so it's just people want to of... know the man city lineup <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so it's been sort of like shocking for myself but at the same time not it makes sense but uh, sort of just to say to people out there that you know if you are someone who's like really interested in fpl and mm. has a yearning to make content in a way it can seem really daunting to to start off but at the same time it's just you know 
if you start putting out content that people enjoy and people want to interact with and people find valuable, yeah. then it doesn't matter, you know, what age you are, how old you are, what gender you are, whatever, just make that content and go for it. And if you do it and devote yourself to it, and if you're doing stuff that's valuable, then uh, the following and interactions and okay. the sort of gratification for that will come. So that's and, just something I wanted to and, say. And um, uh, podcasting as well. Um, you're yeah. Looking to start that. Yeah. So one of the things that I've done on Twitter uh, most notably along with predicting city lineups is every now and then typically about once a week or so I'll put out a, a meta thread which is pretty much relative to my team whatever big idea I'm sort of thinking about at the moment and I try to always curb those to be something that no one else is really talking about you know maybe maybe like a sort of anecdote that you're on a podcast that the FPL wire guys are whatever might or you yourself might note somewhere along the line, but people don't really go into detail because we're so focused on these other things. And so I'm starting a podcast in uh, about a month or so called the Meta FPL Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Meta FPL Pod. And it'll be primarily myself. Sometimes my good friend Anthony from home will be my co-host. And that'll pretty much be a podcast about these meta ideas mm -hmm. And then also in, including interviews of people from around the community who can come on and talk about a very specific part of the game. Okay. And so the idea of that is uh, sort of in a way similar to the Meet the Manager series, but also involving a bit of uh, more core strategy ideas mm -hmm. where that, you know, maybe it'll be 10, 15, 20 episodes long. The idea is just to put that out over the next year or so, so that over the coming years, anyone who gets involved in FPL can go and reference that podcast yeah. and it'll sort of always be relevant. Um, it won't be that sort of typical game week to game week pod. It'll just be this sort of wide scoped, uh, focusing on these meta ideas yeah. based on strategy and experience and whatnot. Well, I hope, it, I hope it goes well. I mean, there is definitely a gap in that market because a lot of content we do, and as we're going to go on to in the later part of this show, yeah. is specific to a particular game week. But I mean, like with this show, we use that as a sort of a snapshot of your thinking and it's all designed to look at any time. So any of these meet the manager videos, like what you were just talking about there, you can watch it any time. So yeah. And, and, and not many else do that. So I think you've got, uh, it's good for you to do that as well. And it's, it's really mm -hmm. handy for those who, uh, you know, are veterans of the game, but also new to it to, um, to have a better understanding of some of those um, strategies that we can use. Yep. Um, yeah. That's the thought. Did you hear that a Lionel Messi trading card recently sold for over $500,000 on Golden Auctions? Golden is the leading and most trusted destination for some of the most significant pieces of sport and pop culture collectibles. And better yet, it's not just for high ticket items. Golden's new always on marketplace and weekly auctions start at just $5. That means collectors of all kinds can enjoy the same quality, convenience and seamless user experience that Golden is known for. Whether you're looking to buy, sell, grade or vault, Golden has something for everyone and is your one-stop destination for the love of collecting. Looking to buy a collectible? Great idea. While the S&P 500 fell by an average of nearly 20%, collectibles like trading cards actually increased in value. Looking to sell a collectible? Now is the time to do it. Golden is offering all sellers up to 50% off marketplace fees before February 17th. Head over to golden.co to get started. That's G-O-L-D-I-N dot C-O. Okay, so we, you do a, a range of, because you're a, a graphic design um mm -hmm. uh by trade um so um you do a lot of sort of graphics on but we've about man city so we've got one up on screen at the moment this was the man city starting odds for game week 19 
um, yep. and um, is a way of trying to predict uh, the Man City lineups. Um, so, I mean, looking at you've got Edison, De Bruyne, Haaland, Rodri, and Bernardo as almost almost undroppables um, at the moment. Um, you've got Ake, Stones, Kanji, Cancelo, Marazin. They might get dropped, but they're probably safe. And then you've got these sort of 50-50s. Who knows? Foden, Grealish, Gundogan, Laporte, Walker, any of them could play or not play. Lewis as well is starting to get into that mix. Alvarez might not start, but he might come on. And then you've got the likes of Ortega, Palmer, Phillips, more of your cup guys at the moment. Phillips obviously has got his uh, uh, current problems uh, post-World Cup with uh, eating too much, according to Pep Guardiola. Um, so, but we might see him a bit more. Um, but he's definitely Rodri's understudy. Um, mm-hmm. But looking week to week, how do you come up with these odds? How do you decide which uh, a player, what goes into that thought process? Yeah, so throughout over the course of the week, there's always obviously the FPL deadline. And it's pretty much the night before the deadline is when I sit down and write this. But sometimes the day before, even depending on schedule. Um, but sort of I have that benchmark of I know when I have to get this out by. And up until then, throughout the week, I'll just sort of process things, process all the information that's coming out. Uh, it's really just taking in everything in terms of the context, you know, looking at the tactical ideas that Pep has expressed mm. recently and what changes there are. You know, right now we're in this sort of revolution of tactics from mm. Pep at City, uh, taking into account that, taking into account, obviously, injuries, fitness, the sort of more tangible things listening to Pep's press conferences and, you know, trying to read things from him. Obviously, you can't just listen to his press conference and expect everything Pep to say to be true. Um, But I've followed him and watched him enough over the few years where I can sort of read his body language in a way and understand when he's uh, sort of indicating to some things or at other times just sort of put it aside and understand that what he's saying is completely useless. Um, And so it's really just an influx of all these things, trying to process them internally you know, throughout the week, maybe once or twice, I'll sort of check in on my judgment, see how things are, are going, see what I would predict at the moment. Um, and then once I finally sit down and write the thread, pretty much how I do it is that the process goes that I'll sort of break things down first by position, because typically under Pep, we've played this 4-3-3 in possession, or 4-3-3 out of possession, my apologies, and then it transitions to something else in possession. And so I'll pretty much base everything around that in possession 4-3-3, which has been a bit more complicated recently. Um, but base everything around the in, about the out of possession 4-3-3, sort of break down who can play at each position. And then based on the tactical needs of the game, based on who's been rested recently, based on the comments, basically everything I've said, uh, sort of try to come up with uh, these percentages, these figures about how I personally feel the, the lineup will go. And then I sort of take aggregate all those percentages together once I feel good about them on the formation side of things. And then I add them all up for the overall odds, which is what we see on the screen here. And then I sort of double check that, think maybe, oh, is this person's too high? Is this person's a bit too low? And then go back to the position, see where that could have been wrong and just sort of double check until I look at it. And I think, yeah, that, that seems about right. And then the predicting the starting 11 is a bit different sometimes, you know, it's not always going to be the first 11 highest odds. Um, but that's why I also do these odds is because, you know, a lot of people will put out a prediction and you can't really tell like how close the next person is to getting in. And so that's why I started doing these odds. And I just feel like it gives a bit better understanding of 
how, like my perspective and how I'm feeling about yeah, things. Yeah, I mean, this sort of um, traffic light color-coded system of doing that with the percentages is really, for someone like me, I, I like to keep things simple. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, I look at this, and this is, keeps it nice and simple for me. So I like yeah. that, um, which is which is why why these posts are, are popular as well. So this um, it, it can be tricky though with Pep when you talk about his body language and how he talks about certain players as well. Um, and last year we it was a golden era for predicting Peppers um, because um, the likes of Cancelo played every game. Foden, he was nailed on every game. It would be just resting for another particular game very rarely. Um, You could pretty much predict most of the side. Mm -hmm. Um, This season, suddenly Cancelo's out of (laughs) favour. Suddenly Foden is out of favour. He looks great, though, every time he plays for England, every time he plays played in the Cup recently and scored. Um, so what is it? How, how can you tell when a player has not just been dropped, but they've been, well, in Cancelo and Foden's game, just put in an ejector seat and set off into space? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes it even takes myself by surprise, you know. Uh, up until the restart, up until game week 17, I hadn't gotten worse than a 9 out of 11 prediction in the mm-hmm. Premier League. And then in game week 17 and game week 18, I got seven out of 11 in both yeah. of those. So back to back worst performances of the mm-hmm. season for me in terms of predicting. But, you know, sometimes you just can't really blame it on anyone. Sometimes it just comes out of nowhere and we have to make sense of it, which is sort of what mm-hmm. we're doing at the current moment. And so pretty much what's happened is that Pep has changed the system in possession. Whereas in the beginning of the season, what would happen is that we would have a 2-3-5 pretty much where we would have two center backs sitting deep. We would have Rodri holding in the middle and you would have the two full backs pushing up alongside Rodri on either side of him about equally with Cancelo being mostly the more attacking one and then sometimes Gundogan or Bernardo dropping deep to fill in his space. And the issue that happened with that and that has sort of been like a pain in Pep's ass pretty much for the entire time he's managed the Prem is that against teams that sit back and try to counter us, that system can fall apart and that we can be really susceptible to uh, counters against teams like that. You know, Spurs, we have a terrible track record against because they just play that way. You know, we'll have three or four XG and then they'll get two shots on the counter and Sun will score one of them. And so pretty much what Pep has done recently is that instead of that two, three, five formation, he switched it to a 3-2-5 formation where he has three center backs in a back line. And then in front of them is Rodri alongside one other in a double pivot sort of. And the main change that's come of that is that no one can quite play that other DM position quite like Rico Lewis, which is quite astounding to say for an 18 year old. Um, You know, Phillips can play that now that he's getting back to fitness. Bernardo can play that like we saw against Chelsea in game week, game week 19. Uh, Besides that, Pep is really out of options there because Cancelo can't really play that because he doesn't have the, he has the technical ability, but his tendencies are always to attack pretty much. And so it's mostly a, <laughs> apologies for the dogs. No. One frequent, frequent viewers will know <laughs> that I'm also having to go see my dog occasionally, but remarkably quiet at the moment. <laughs> Um, yeah apologies for that that's right. but, so uh, yeah so um, so essentially Cancelo's role has changed so it's yeah. no longer a Cancelo type role in in where it, it was the role where 
right, you are in a fullback role, but you go and attack. Now yeah. it's you're in a fullback role, but no, go and help Rodri out. Cancelo can't do that, but Lewis can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, I mean, as as, as a Cancelo owner at the moment, mm-hmm. does that, does, I mean, does that mean he's just now a bit part? Yeah, I think the the tricky thing is that we really don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the sort of messy thing at the moment. And so pretty much if Pep is to persist with this formation, there are a few options for Cancelo. Hmm. One is what we saw against Chelsea in game 19, where he can become one of those front five players. Right. He can play either wide right, wide left, hmm. and be one of those supporting players alongside Holland, where he, in that, in that, scenario pretty much plays the same role that he was playing before with just a little bit less defensive uh Mm. responsibility so that's one thing for Cancelo that is definitely a possibility that I'm curious to see how much Mm. Pep plays around with that you know we saw him on the right against Chelsea and I was a bit surprised by that because Mm. I expected him to move up to that front five area at some point but I expected him to play off the left like he has done this season so I think that's one option for him. Another option is in that back three, Ake has really shined at that left center back spot. And Ake has been absolutely exceptional there. There's not really a reason to for Pep to drop him at the moment. But long term, you look at the role that that player plays. And if Cancelo can just sort of listen to these new instructions a bit more, that role is not so different to what he was playing earlier in the season because uh, Ake was getting forward quite quite a lot when he is playing that and so there's certainly the potential for Cancelo to play either in in the front five in this new system at left center back maybe even at right center back against a certain opponent but at the moment it's really it really is a question of where does he fit in you know he seems too good of a player to just drop because Pep wants to play this new system so it's more of just a waiting waiting area to see where Pep fits him in because you just reckon that eventually he will fit in somewhere. It's just we don't really know where. And if he is in that front five and becomes sort of a mainstay for even a part of the season, then he might even be a potentially better asset than he was before because he's just attacking now. So, okay. so yeah, a sort of a tentative hold at the yeah. moment. Um, let's have another player like Fo, um, oh. Sorry, I let my dog back in. Another... Uh, um, before we look at game week 20 um, and your decisions there, and we talk a bit more about Man City. Um, another player, Foden as well, sit like Cancelo, nailed on every week. Suddenly he's not. And this happened before Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. And there was seemed to be no reason. And it was it was almost, and people were just speculating, did, does, does he now hate <laughs> him? Or has he, yeah. did he not go to his birthday party? Or something? I don't know. I mean, um, what was the... What were the reasons behind this, do you think? Yeah, it's still it's still sort of we don't really know that there were any quantitative reasons for it. Mm. Um, you know, there have been uh, and Pep sort of argued this in his press conferences when he got asked about it. And he got quite mad about it because he said that there's always sort of these spells of time where a certain player will get benched more than they start for him. Right. And that's just sort of goes down to the depth that. Pep has with the squad and he also attributed to body language which also makes sense to a degree because you know Cancelo I mean not Cancelo Foden Foden plays off that left wing and we've seen Pep play him at right wing before Mm. he's played a false nine before Holland got there 
he's played at that sort of left center mid spot where Gundogan typically occupies or Bernardo in the cup games, but really in the Prem, he's a left winger. Mm. And Grealish is also just a left winger. And so every week, Pep is sort of faced with the dilemma of he has to start one of them and he has to bench one of them mm. unless he shifts Foden over to the right hand side. Mm. And I think that's just what happened for that run of games and sort of in the past few games since the restart is that for one reason or another, whether it's tactics in particular games, whether it's Grealish is just mm. looking better in training, whether he's just a bit happier, whether Pep just thinks he's a better fit at the moment. Pep just preferred Grealish at that moment to Foden. Mm. And, you know, like you said earlier, anytime we watch Foden, he's amazing. Mm. Like, anytime I watch Foden play for City, it's like, how can you drop this guy? Yeah. But it, it really is, I just think like, one of those tricky things that comes with the depth that City has that at any moment a player besides Holland and KDB and Rodri pretty much like any player could be dropped for one reason or another that we really don't know and we can try to predict those things as as much as we want but sometimes there's just stuff we don't know in terms of Pep's judgment so short answer there really wasn't much of a reason for it besides rotation okay and and so it looks like Mares could be the new Foden, I say that loosely, in 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 the he's the guy in favour. He's he seems to be the first name on the right wing. Is that is that right? Uh, yes and no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, because he has been performing exceptionally. Um, you know, Mars will go through. Mars is one of the players that say that is very sort of form based. I would say. It seems like he goes through a spell every season, typically around starting in January or February throughout uh, the spring, especially in the Champions League most times, mm. where Mares just hits an incredible run of form. And you just think, once again, how can Pep drop this type of guy? Yeah. And we're at that moment this season where Mares is doing that. And the tricky thing is, is that against certain opponents, particularly big teams like we have coming up this double game week, Pep will prefer to play uh, both Bernardo and Gundogan in the same team. Oh, okay. And that's the that's the big thing is for me is that, you know, in that midfield, it's pretty consistent. You have Rodri holding, you have De Bruyne on the right side when he's fit, and then you have one of Gundogan or Bernardo on the left side. Gundogan's typically used against teams that sit back a bit more because he makes his late runs, and Bernardo's more against teams that play a bit more free-flowing transition because he has a bit more control in that midfield and his presence just offers a bit more, especially in terms of press resistance and whatnot. And like we saw against Chelsea, Bernardo is one of the only people alongside Rico Lewis who can drop into that double pivot with Rodri. Mm-hmm. So that's also a really important factor. And the thing with Mares for me is that as well as well as he's been playing recently, just be, from a tactical perspective, Pep could always drop him and play Bernardo on that right side okay. just so that he has that extra presence in the midfield. Um, you know, I do think that Mares gets one out of two starts at least in this double game week, but just because he's been playing amazing doesn't mean that he's going to start every game for Pep now. And that's definitely something that people have to realize at the moment is that, um, you know, the risk with going with Foden or with Mares is almost the same is that they both have a counterpart to their position. Foden is Grealish and for mm. Mares it's Bernardo that for any, at any given moment for any tactical reason, Pep can drop them and play the other. And so it almost becomes a 50, 50 decision with them. And in a double game week, it's 
both good and bad because, you know, you sort of assume with either Foden and Mares, I have Foden in my team right now, you can just sort of put it off almost and think, okay, it's just a single game week for these mm-hmm. guys. And okay. that, you know, most of the time, if we play this double game week, let's say in a simulation, like over and over again, vast majority of the time, these guys are com- going to come out with one start out of two, probably around 90 minutes total combined with the two games. And so I think that's just the expectation that she- people should go into it with is that with these fringe players who are around that 50 to 75% likelihood to start mark, you'll probably just get one out of two starts with them. If you're really lucky, you get two starts. If you're really unlucky, then you'll get zero starts. But that's so, the game so, we play. So it sounds like Edison, De Bruyne, Haaland is probably the the best triple up to have at the moment. Um, Definitely Haaland and De Bruyne, but I have an issue with Ederson personally in terms of FPL is that you look at City and you look at City in a vacuum and Ederson is by far the most nailed player in the side after those two or even before those two because Ortega's not going to start in the Prem anytime soon. And, you know, if we were to just pick three City players based on expected minutes and sort of ceiling of points, then yeah, Ederson would probably go into that triple up. But then the tricky thing is, is that you just have to compare Ederson to all the other goalkeepers. And it doesn't really matter how good he is compared to City. It's that how good is he compared to the other goalkeepers? And so obviously with the two doubles coming up in a matter of three or four weeks, he's probably one of the best picks out of the goalkeepers. But long term, without the doubles, he never really has that ceiling. He's normally a six-point maximum player. We saw him get eight points against Chelsea because it was a 1-0 game. But City don't normally play 1-0 games. You know, we score three or four usually if we keep a clean sheet, and sometimes we don't keep a clean sheet, especially with our defensive record this season. So, yes, Ederson is up there, but I do think that if we're just talking about, uh, like, this double gaming in particular, for that third city spot, I would rather probably go with Foden or Mares over Ederson from a personal perspective, just because Ederson has... uh, you know, he has a decently low floor, but his ceiling is also just so mm-hmm. low. And when we're playing the likes of Manu and Spurs, I don't really see those as great clean sheet fixtures for us. Okay. Um, well, let, well, let's yeah. have a look at game week 20 because um, we, we've, we've talked about um, the fixtures. So I've got your team up on the screen for the um, benefit of those listening to the po- on the podcast version. We've got Kepa in goal, uh, Trippier, White uh, and Botman. Uh, De Bruyne, who's your vice captain, he's playing Manchester United and Tottenham. Uh, Fernandez, double fixture as well. Bruno, there's got Manchester City, obviously, and then Crystal Palace. Foden, two fixtures, obviously. Rashford, two fixtures. Haaland, two fixtures. This is good. Uh, one, two, three, four, five uh, double game week players. You've also got Wilson and Mitrovic, who play each other, uh, Fulham and Newcastle. On the bench, you've got Ward, Bueno, Andreas uh, and Veltman. Um, also, um, just before we get, get your opinion about these players and what you're going to be doing as well, um, just a reminder to uh, do press that like button and do subscribe as well. Do uh, uh, do tell your friends to subscribe as well. It really helps us out and helps you to keep in touch with our videos and podcasts. Um, so, um, yeah, looking at this this 343 at the moment, what's your, have you got one transfer, two transfers? What do you plan to do? One transfer. Okay. Yeah, I have one transfer and... Um, 1.6 million in the bank i believe so what, what do you plan to do with this uh the plan at the moment that i don't really see changing is just to make the obvious move as most would think and bring luke shaw in 
mm-hmm. most likely for Hugo Bueno okay. uh, as my defender because, you know, I have Trippier, White, and Botman, none of whom I want to get rid of in the long term, mm-hmm. so they're sort of staying in my team. Yeah. And then I have Veltman as my fourth defender because of Brighton's potential double or triple game week in 21 uh, or upcoming at some point or another. And so Bueno is just sort of that that last defender that I don't mind shifting on, and I have the funds to move him to Shaw. And, you know, Spurs assets are the other potential move to make, but I would have to make a double move to get to Kane, and even then, with that minus four, I don't have a very obvious route to him in terms of dropping one of my other double gaming guys, which doesn't make much sense to me. So my plan is just to bring in Luke Shaw for Bueno and then start him over either Mitrovic or White, depending on how I'm feeling based mm-hmm. on Arsenal's clean sheet chances and based on if I want to hedge my bets with uh, Mitrovic against my double Newcastle defense. Okay, so, I mean, uh, if someone's looking at this fresh, I mean, you, you've mentioned about, you know, you, you favor an attacker over an Edison, for example. Um, so in, in terms of the best three Man City assets, who... who uh, who are who are the best three Man City assets? De Bruyne, Haaland, I would imagine, are two of yours. Who's the third? Yeah, so just for this game week in particular, for double gaming 20, um, obviously Haaland and De, and De Bruyne have to be there. Obviously everyone has Haaland at this point. If you don't have De Bruyne, I would say that he's, you know, that highest priority transfer along with the likes of Kane. You know, yeah. if you don't have either of them, then it's a decision for which one to go with if you can't get both of them. Uh, but De Bruyne is definitely that second guy. And then uh, it's really difficult at the moment to come up with a, a third city asset because sort of in this stage of the season previously, uh, there was a tweet from FPL Schadenfreude that I saw this morning that took us back to double gimmick 19 in the 2021 season when Stone scored 27 points and Diaz scored 18. Yes. And I, I own both of them in that mm, game. Week. Yeah, I um, remember. Yeah. That shot me up the ranks real quick. Yeah. Um, normally around this period, double city defense is almost the move because mm-hmm. our defense tightens up, other defenses get a bit looser. We have double game weeks that come in, and it's just sort of you put them in your team, you don't really have to worry about it. Maybe they'll start, you know, maybe they'll get benched one out of every four games. But you just sort of put in the most nailed guys, quote unquote, and just be happy with it, and the points will come. This season, it's a lot different for a few reasons. One is that our defense is performing a bit below average for what we're used to from a city team. The second is that you look at the fixtures in double gaming 20 and double gaming 23, and they're just not great defensive fixtures. You know, I don't normally expect us to keep a clean sheet away to United. I don't really expect us to keep a clean sheet home to Spurs. In 23, I expect us to keep a clean sheet against Villa, but I don't expect us to keep a clean sheet against Arsenal. And so for defenders and for Ederson, there's really no clear pick even before we take a look at the minutes because just the prospects of keeping a clean sheet is not so high that the ceiling of getting that, you know, Stone's 27-pointer or whatnot just really doesn't seem to be there. And so when I sort of make that assessment, my mind just then goes to, okay, I think the third best city asset is probably an attacker. And... That's what leads me to Foden and Mares as that third city player is because, yes, they'll probably only start one of two. But if you're guaranteed a city player to start one game in any game week, even if you have a full team of double gaming players around them, you probably still want them in your team. They're just the ceiling is there. The the floor is supposedly there. Obviously, you can still get unlucky and have them be benched 
two out of two, but the odds of that are so low that I think okay. you take the, the risk well, there. And yeah. And I think, um, I mean, we can talk about Rico Lewis too, but yeah, I mean, I mean, cause so yeah. for example, I'm a Cancelo owner and I, and I say that not just, you know, selfishly trying to get by some my team yeah. because so many people aren't, so many people <laughs> have got rid of him yeah. as well. Um, mm-hmm. we, we, uh, many, many of us started with Cancelo, you know, after the world cup. Um, I mean, is it worth keeping him for? I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm with this problem myself. Um, is it worth just, yeah. just keeping him and hoping he starts once, at yeah. least once? Yeah, and so, like, obviously I say that Bowden and Mares are, are that third pick for me, but at the same time, that's only just saying straight up, like, if we could make a scout team, who would I pick as the yeah. three city players? Yeah, And it becomes much different when we talk about transfers and what moves to make. And so... For the people with Cancelo, for the people with even Stones and Akanji, and I know some people had them from the restart, even people who have Walker, um, I would pretty much just hold any, whatever third city asset you have, I would mostly just hold. The only thing that I like in terms of uh, dropping, let's say, a Cancelo down to Rico Lewis, is if it it's the only reasonable way that you can get funds to move up to Kane, for example, yeah. or get the funds to move, let's say someone has... Holland, Foden, Cancelo at the moment. If you want to move Foden to De Bruyne and you need the funds somewhere for whoever has that that scenario, dropping Cancelo down to Lewis like makes sense in that in that scenario for me. Um, but if someone is just has one transfer, let's say, and is thinking, oh, I don't want to hold Cancelo anymore. This has been too painful. Yeah. Like I don't want to go through this anymore. I don't like just that that drop down to Lewis because, um, and I'll pull up my. Uh, the, my tentative starting odds. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like exclusive is this? <laughs> yeah. So I'll put my starting odds out on Twitter uh, tomorrow, okay. and then I'll have my lineup predictions out the morning of the mm. deadline. Um, but at the moment, I have Walker surprisingly to many as the the defender outside of Ederson, obviously with okay. the highest chance to start. Okay. And the reason for that is. Uh, upon the the restart when we we're all making our gaming 17 wild cards, I was getting all these questions about who's the best city defender if we don't want Cancelo. Um, and I went without Cancelo personally, uh, just because I saw value elsewhere. And my response was that Stones is best for the short term and Akanji is best for the long term. And I still do think, I mean, the short term for Stones has passed. It was more of the the three gamings that we just went through. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I said about Walker for people that were on him is that at this point in his career, as good as Walker has been historically, Walker is now pretty much a piece in Pep's squad where he's utilized whenever we play a great team that has a really, really good left winger, especially. Okay. And so in this double game week, we're playing Man United, who have Rashford on the left, mm. or maybe he'll play in the center, who knows. But Rashford and uh, when we play Spurs, they have Son. And so... Just look at those games, and from a tactical perspective, it just makes sense that Pep will want Walker to play against those guys to okay. counter them. You know, it's almost 100% in my mind that Walker gets one out of two starts, and it's very likely, I have it at about uh, just over 50% odds right now, that Walker will start two out of two games. Okay. So, But, yeah. but Walker is, I mean, from an FPL point of view, that's just mm-hmm. half the, the story with Walker, because, of course, he doesn't have a lot of other attributes exactly. to him. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at if you, you hope to get a clean sheet and six points, but mm-hmm. that's probably what you're after with him. But nevertheless, yeah, exactly. he has, is he does 
in your in, in your view and, and and i think many other people would think that as well that a, a good chance of starting at least one yeah and then in terms of the other defenders mm. cancelo and laporte are in the next bracket you know mm-hmm. even though cancelo has been shifted around and sort of out of the squad in a way i do think that um sort of just from I don't really know what to call this, but I, I don't think that Pep throws Rico Lewis into a derby away at Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that there's sort of some intangible there that do you really want to, as good as he's been, do you really want to Ruby put in if. an 18 year old? Yeah. <laughs> I could sky uh, him for life. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I just think that it makes sense in my mind that Pep will revert to uh Almost what what we saw the first time when we beat Man U six three was the backline was Cancelo, Diaz, Stones, Walker, oh, okay. and obviously Diaz is out injured right now. But I think we pretty much see a return to that or something similar where Cancelo comes back in. Maybe we transition back to the old formation. Maybe Bernardo plays that DM role alongside Rodri. But it just seems like a game where uh, we sort of return to that backline and then. Against Spurs, sort of the the inverse of that. I think that's a game where this new three-two anti-counter structure is really well utilized, and I fully expect Lewis to come back into that oh. against in the Spurs game, um, play there because I I just think that against the counter threat of Spurs, mm. the way that Conte sets them up, I just think it makes sense to to have that uh, have that system there. And especially with a home game, there's not as much pressure on Rico. And you can still play Walker as the right center back there, and he can handle Son and whatnot. Um, so that's sort of the thinking there. And in terms of the odds, like Cancelo and Laporte are sort of the next tier below mm-hmm. Walker, and then Stones, Stones, Akanji, and Ake are all pretty much the same uh, below them. And so there really isn't a clear defensive option. And like you say with Walker, like... Okay. That there's not really another route to points there okay. so it just becomes really tricky trying to pick out one and when people ask me about moving from one to the other that's why my response is just pretty much just hold whichever one you have unless it enables a move elsewhere and, and across the midfield de bruyne and bernardo silva um and attacking role grealish foden which one will get the nod do you think mares yeah so you, we've I fully expect... about mares probably yeah. possibly in doubt yeah, in terms of the odds, uh, obviously Holland, KDB, and Bernardo, I pretty much expect to start both. Bernardo, the least likely, likely out of those three. Uh, Rodri, obviously, as well, although he's not an FPL option. And then with Foden, Mares, uh, Gundogan, even Grealish, and Alvarez, um, Foden, Mares, Gundogan, and Grealish are all fairly similar in the odds for me. Um, sort of with the the tactical uh, idea that I was just talking about against Spurs uh, against the team that sits deep like that Pep has seemed to favor Grealish on the left and Mares on the right uh, for whatever reason because they sort of drag their men wide they can play as wide as possible take take men on when they uh, isolate themselves there whatever the reason is it's sort of a pattern that's come up this season against these low blocks uh Grealish on the left Mara's on the right even though it's still sort of like 60 40 for both of them it, it just tilts the scale a little bit um but so that's sort of what I expect in that Spurs game and then against Man U it's a bit bigger of a question mark as to how Pep sets up because especially when he he plays against these managers like Ten Hag like 
these sort of tactical mastermind managers, Pep likes to try to outsmart them in a way, or he, he either tries to outsmart them or he either tries to say like, screw you, I don't care what you're going to do. I'm no. just going to play my game and put mm-hmm. the best team out there. And that's what we saw last time at Old Trafford and or when we played at the Etihad and, uh, you know, Foden and Holland both got their hat tricks. And so it's a bit trickier for me in terms of like guessing that, but if I had to guess at the moment, and this will probably be how my prediction falls when I release the starting 11 predictions that I expect a wing pairing of Foden and Bernardo against Man United, but then I expect Grealish and Mares to play against Spurs. Oh, okay. and so I, I definitely expect sort of like right. a one in one swap. Well, that, that's going to um, give a lot of uh, people who are thinking of investing in Man, <laughs> Man City's midfield something to think about there. Um, yeah. It sounds like you're going to get a game and that single game could get you more points than two games from say Edison or indeed Walker, if he does, uh, does play twice. Um, um, just before we go elsewhere with your, your team, you got any sort of long-term plans with this? Um, I mean, there's no Liverpool, for example, at the moment, uh, you're quite happy with that. And, um, yeah, what, what else do you think? Are we just waiting for sort of more double game week announcements? Yeah, I mean, the the plan from here on out is pretty much just to roll transfers and use them to bring in double gaming players. Um, I mean, it's always fairly straightforward yeah. at this point in the season in my mind, and that's why I sort of like this and succeed in this period is I get to sort of take my hands off, like, <laughs> yeah. just not think about certain things for a little bit and just bring in sort of the obvious moves and in the long term they go well. Um, one thing that I do want to do before, uh, before we got the double gaming announcement for Man United... The plan had been to bring in Sokka for Bruno eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want Sokka back in or Odegaard. Yeah. Um, especially I, I want one or both of them long term. That's mm-hmm. sort of the main plan for me. And then aside from that, pretty much just playing the doubles as they come. Mm-hmm. Um, my Game Week 17 wildcard, I was picking between because I was sort of set on Bruno without mm-hmm. Ronaldo. Of like, oh, he's going to go back to just the hopefulness that mm-hmm. he would return to that sort of main man role which he hasn't um but i was set on that and so the decision became who do i go for between foden and Sokka for a few weeks before i bring the other one in for bruno and silly enough of course i went for foden who performed so much worse than Sokka over that period but so it goes (laughs) yeah no i mean i i agree that's something for my team as well i'm looking at odegaard or or saka long term um, yeah. I think they're great, great options there. Um, hey, Alex, thanks so much for joining me. Um, good luck with Game Week 20. Good luck with the rest of the season. Um, good luck predicting Pep this week and <laughs> beyond. Um, we've got your, your Twitter handle up on uh, on screen uh, at 4lex underscore MCFC. For those listening on the podcast, do check out Alex's um, Twitter account there. Look at Listen out for his future podcasts as well um, because it's packed full of really good information there. Um, through Emma, Emma Jump the Waves um, collection of um, experts looking at uh, trying to predict Pep, uh, predict Conte, predict Potter, which is that must be that. Well, that, <laughs> I'll tell you what, that that's a long that will be a long show yeah. for another time. For <laughs> whoever's brave enough to do that, and uh, but yeah, thanks a lot for your time, Alex, and good luck, and uh, yeah. Yeah, pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. It was a pleasure.